Welcome to the show. Here's my dad. On this episode of the Infant Adoption Guide podcast, we talk about the cost of domestic infant adoption. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Infant Adoption Guide podcast. My name's Tim Elder. This is the podcast all about domestic infant adoption. And if you are a faithful listener, or if this is your first time listening, welcome and thank you for joining me. This episode is specifically sponsored by Bethany Christian Services, which is a full-service Christian non-profit adoption agency with locations in 36 states, and they've been helping families adopt since 1944. They will help you create an adoption plan that's right for you and your family. And they'll be there to support you every step of the way because, you know, the journey doesn't end when your adoption is finalized. And Bethany offers post-adoption services for families, adoptive parents, and adoptees. So I invite you to check out some of their stories and learn how to get started at bethany.org forward slash infant adoption guide. Okay, so on today's episode, we have a great discussion with Sherry Williams, who is one of the regional directors for Bethany. And she oversees the operations in Florida, South Carolina, Mississippi, Arkansas, and a satellite office in Alabama. And Sherry is really passionate. You'll hear that in her voice about serving the children and and the families uh, in need and and has worked in the child welfare field for nearly 18 years. And she has an extensive experience in the areas of child protection and foster care and adoption, both domestically and internationally. And Sherry earned her bachelor's degree in family and child sciences from the Florida State University and her master's degree in public administration from Troy University. And Sherry lives in the Orlando, Florida area with her husband and three children. And we have a big topic to cover today because Sherry and I are talking about the cost of domestic infant adoption and just what you need to know and how to find help. And, uh, you know, it's such a big topic, but we're going to specifically talk about what you need to know, like how much cost to expect and we're going to give you tips and resources on how to understand those costs uh, from the adoption professional you choose or if you go the independent adoption route. So I really hope you enjoy this interview. Here you go with Sherry. Okay, hello and welcome to the show, Sherry. How are you doing today? I am doing well. Thank you. How are you? Oh, doing great, doing great. Thank you for joining us today. I know I'm, I'm excited for this topic of the episode. It's all about the cost of adoption, which I know is huge. We could probably do five or six episodes on it. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to focus mostly on domestic infant adoption. That's what this show is about. And mm-hmm. we're going to talk about just what is involved in the costs of adoption. And I'm so happy to have her on because I know you have a ton of experience in the adoption world and working for Bethany. And uh, I know there's a lot of people out there, a lot of hopeful adoptive families Mm-hmm. that go into domestic infant adoption not sure about the costs and not sure how the mm-hmm. whole process works. And one of the things they realized right off the bat, and I know we did, was just how much support, how much help is needed mm-hmm. to try to find a safe placement of a child in your family. There's so Absolutely. much that goes into making this happen. Mm-hmm. And so they need to know the adoption professionals like you, the agencies, the attorneys, all the people that need to help them go through the process, that there's costs involved with everybody yeah. helping them. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're talking about today, the cost of adoption. So so we have some questions here, and several of these questions came from folks directly from our Facebook group. Mm-hmm. So thanks to our, we have more than one Facebook group, but one of the ones that we have, uh, thanks to Dan and Angie and Tammy and Danielle for asking some of these great questions 
And so let, let's just talk about the very first, the biggest question really is, what is the typical range? What is the cost to adopt a baby in the U.S.? Well, you know, that's a great question, Tim. The, the costs for adoption vary widely, widely. So it's really hard to give an actual range. Um, every state is different as far as what is required for adoption. Um, and then, of course, every agency or attorney handles the adoption process a little bit differently. So there really is just a very wide range um, in, in fees that could be incurred by hopeful adoptive families. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, you know, the one place I found that actually will give a range or an estimate, they don't even say a range, they'll say an estimated cost, which is a child welfare information gateway, the U.S. government. Mm -hmm. And that isn't necessarily focused on domestic infant adoption, but right. they say the average U.S. adoption costs between eight and $40,000. Big, big range, like you said, and lots, yeah. lots of variables that uh, we'll get into uh, in a minute. But I, uh -huh. I first wanted to, to uh, explain really a little bit about Bethany. Uh, mm -hmm. I know your regional branch manager, and uh, that's for Florida, Mississippi, Arkansas, and then you have a satellite branch in Alabama. Could you explain really just real quick uh, what Bethany does and what you do for Bethany? Sure. Thank you. Um, so here at Bethany Christian Services, we really are a global child welfare organization, um, but we serve um, with great specialization um, families, hopeful adoptive families here in the United States. And so we do that by serving expectant parents who are facing unplanned pregnancies. We counsel those women and men when they're involved um, about their unplanned pregnancies and just share with them about their options. And then for those expectant parents who want to move forward and make an adoption plan, we help them make that plan. Um, similarly, we work with hopeful adoptive families who want to grow their family through adoption. Um, and then we get to just help bring those, um, those families together so that hopeful families can indeed grow their family through adoption. And so, um, as you said, I'm a regional manager here at Bethany Christian Services, and um, we just bring thousands of children together with their families um, across the nation and internationally with our global work as well. Yeah, I mean, when somebody talks about Bethany, uh, it, 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 in one hand, it seems like, whoa, Bethany covers the whole U.S. They're a big group, mm -hmm. big organization. But and when you start to learn about Bethany, you know there are... Uh, in each state, in each spot, the different local groups. So you really get local service, um, local people that help you, correct? Absolutely. I always tell folks in our community, you get the benefits of a large national network within our organization, but you're going to get that small agency feel. Um, for example, my office is in a little historical district here in Winter Garden, Florida, just outside of Orlando. And our, um, our office is a little renovated, historical, three-bedroom house. Nice. And so it, it's, it's a, a very, you know, just small family-oriented feel within the local branch level of Bethany Christian Services. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think people get a, a little different idea of what Bethany is when they they see it seems like such a big group. So that, that, mm -hmm. yeah, that, that's very good. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Okay. So, and, uh, we'll provide more information for the folks here, uh, at the end of the podcast here about how to get a hold of Bethany if you want to. Uh, 
so let's get back into the questions here and the costs. So we've mm -hmm. said that, uh, well, there's a huge range, eight to 40,000, and that may not cover everything, mm -hmm. right? But uh, let's talk about the costs that hopeful adoptive families can expect. You know, things like uh, home study, finalization mm -hmm. fees, travel expenses. Can you kind of cover some of those mm -hmm. of what families can expect? Sure, sure. Um, the fees associated with domestic infant adoption can feel overwhelming <laughs> to families, so I really just want to normalize that for everyone. So anyone out there who is feeling overwhelmed by that, you are not alone <laughs> in feeling <laughs> that way. Um, you know, but, but it is important for you to understand what is involved in those fees. And so um, really, I always tell folks, first of all, shop around shop around, contact more than one agency, contact more than one attorney, determine, you know, what you're most comfortable with and always ask the question specifically um, what is covered in those fees. I will say typically covered in those fees, the largest expense that um, an adoption organization incurs is staffing. And so adoption is such a highly complex legal process which varies by the state that you're in. Every state has different adoption laws. And so you really want to make sure you're working with someone who really knows the laws in your state. And so a large portion of the fees that adoptive families do pay go to cover those very highly qualified and experienced staff members who are personally walking families through the adoption process. Um, and the fees usually cover, you know, application fees and such, um, legal fees associated with adoption, the home study that has to be conducted on the hopeful adoptive families. Um, and really, just depending on the agency, it can cover an array of other things as well. But again, always important to do your shopping around and ask each agency or attorney specifically what is covered. And then always be sure to ask that question. Are there any expenses outside of what I'm asking? You definitely always want to make sure that you're asking that question. Yeah, and do most agencies, well, I guess I, I, you could talk about Bethany in particular, but do agencies provide like, okay, I just want a list. Can you just list out all the all my expenses and what it could cost me? Do you do that for families or does it depend on what type of adoption they want to go through? Well, you know, it, it will depend on the agency or attorney with that. Here at Bethany Christian Services, we do list out exactly what is covered and exactly what the fees are. Some organizations have flat fees. Others have variable fees. Um, here in Florida at Bethany Christian Services, we have a flat fee amount. And so we detail for every family exactly what is covered um, under those fees. And I always encourage families, so if you're listening, be sure um, that you ask to see um, the organizations or the attorney's contract because you will be entering into a contract with an organization or attorney, and it should detail the contract should detail um, exactly what you're paying for and exactly what you will receive in return. Yes, very, very important there because uh, you yes. don't want any gotchas. Uh, I've heard no, of that before where no. people have had some gotcha fees. And it does depend on the, the size of the agency, what kind of staff they have. Do they mm -hmm. have attorneys on staff? Um, sometimes mm -hmm. you have attorneys outside of that. Uh, you can have travel expenses if you adopt from another mm -hmm. state. Um, right. that are right. always um, covered by you. Not, I mean, it's impossible to anticipate what travel expenses can be, so they're not usually included in an agency fee. Right. Anything else we may be missing there? I think we 
think we kind of touched on a, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It. The one last thing I would like to mention is that, you know, a, a good chunk of the fees that agencies and attorneys charge are marketing um, and advertising fees. Mm, yes. Because really, we have to go out in the community and we have to market and advertise to expectant parents so that when there are women facing unplanned pregnancies, that they know adoption is an option for them, that they know there are families who are hoping to um, become adoptive families who are just waiting I mean, more than happy, willing, screened, and approved um, to adopt their babies. And so definitely there are fees that organizations and attorneys incur associated um, with, with the advertising and marketing as well. I'm glad you brought that up. I, I have some questions about that because uh, mm -hmm. some agencies um, list out their fees, marketing and advertising costs, but maybe don't say specifically what they're doing with that money. Mm -hmm. Like what is marketing and advertising? Can you talk about that? Mm -hmm. Sure, I would love to. So really, again, this is going to vary depending on the organization or the attorney. So ask when you're calling and you're um, talking to these folks and you see what their amount is that they are earmarking from your fee to spend on advertising and marketing. Ask them, what is your advertising and marketing plan? Um, ask them the question, you know, are you advertising just in general or will you be advertising specifically on my behalf as a hopeful adoptive family? You know, really ask those questions. I will say here within our branch of Bethany Christian Services in Florida, um, we do both. We advertise generally and we advertise specifically for adoptive families. And so we do a lot of online advertising, Google AdWord purchases and things of that nature of things that women in an unplanned pregnancy might be searching for online. And then we also do things like radio campaigns, television commercials, um, things of that nature. And then we also do what I refer to as feed on the street marketing. And so we have staff, those qualified staff that I mentioned earlier, who are out in the community and building relationships with people in the community who serve the pregnant population, such as health departments, pregnancy centers, doctor's offices, hospitals, things of, the, of that nature. So again, really important that you're asking that organization or that attorney, you know, what is your marketing plan and how do you reach these expectant parents on our behalf? Yeah. And I think when you first come into adoption, it may feel weird to you. The advertising mm -hmm. and marketing feels like, oh boy, this, what are we doing here? But their mm -hmm. whole goal of adoption, at least infant adoption is matching a hopeful adoptive family to an expectant woman who wants to make an adoption plan. So just as yeah. you said, you have to find people that want to adopt, and then you have to find women that are looking to place their child, mm -hmm. uh, possibly pl uh, place their child, So, and then try to make that connection. So that's why when we say advertising and marketing, that's what goes mm -hmm. into that, trying to find those groups of people and help them connect. Hopefully that simplifies yeah. things for people. Okay, if somebody did an independent adoption, which means kind of networking on their own, maybe they don't want, they will mm -hmm. want to work with an agency uh, to do some of the things like home studies and other things, but they want to do some of the networking on their own. What do, what would you recommend to people who want to go down that path as far as their fees and costs that could, they could incur? Yes, absolutely. Great question. The, the first thing I want to share, and it is the absolute most important, know your state laws. Some states allow families to advertise themselves online or in the local newspaper or things of that nature, and some states do not allow that. And it is actually illegal in states for families to promote themselves 
or for anyone other than a licensed adoption agency or attorney to be able to be, to be involved in promoting a family for adoption. So first and foremost, it's very important for you to know the adoption laws in your state pertaining to that. If you are in a state that allows independent adoptions, where a family will go out and promote themselves, let their friends and family know they're adopting, and you know maybe, like I said, post themselves online or in the newspaper or things of that nature, again, you will want to do your research. So you will want to find an organization that will do just the services that you need. For example, the home study. You might want to have someone help you put together a profile book, which is, you know, kind of a photo book showing your life um, and pictures with some words and commentary in there as well. So definitely, if you are in a state that allows you to pursue independent adoption, do your homework, make sure you're um, hiring an agency or attorney that you can trust, who will provide just those services that you need. Yeah, it could be pretty daunting trying to do all this outreach by yourself. Although I know folks have done it. Mm -hmm. I guess one question that comes out of this, and we've already mentioned this a few times, is that you need to know the laws of your own state. Where would somebody go to even find that information? Well, you know, you can always just search online adoption law in whatever state you are in, and you should be able to find that. Or just go to your local state legislature page um, and search for adoption law, and you should be able to pull that up. Yeah. The other thing you could do is what we've done is uh, go to the American Academy of Adoption Attorneys. Yeah. They have a website. I think it's adoptionattorneys.org com or .org. Either one, I think, will get you there. Anyway, you can find an adoption attorney in your state, in your local area, and you can just call them. And say, hey, yes. I'm looking at adoption. What do I do? What do I, how do I know the laws? And they know it better than anybody. That's what they do all day, every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great point. Okay. So let's get into a little bit of the financial risks, mm-hmm. which I know is a hu- another huge part of the Uh, Mm -hmm. the cost of the adoption but you know families really do incur some financial risk when they when you're talking about this kind of money and i know when i say risk it really means they start down a path and let's say they match with an expectant mom and she decides and which is her right to decide to parent and Mm -hmm. that stops that adoption and they need to start again and find Mm -hmm. a match with a different expectant mom but there's some financial risk there, like maybe they already had some costs involved. How does a family reduce or cut or eliminate, if possible, the financial risk? Yeah, that is that can be very scary and overwhelming. And so, again, for those of you who are um, just feeling that way, you are not alone. <laughs> you are not the first person to feel that way. And trust me, you will not be the last person who feels that way. So really, again, it comes back to educating yourself and really asking those questions. So when you are shopping around for with agencies or attorneys, make sure you ask those specific questions. Um, As you mentioned, Tim, an adoption is not a definite thing until an expectant mom signs consents. And in some cases, States, there are revocation periods where she has a period of time where she can reverse her consent. And so that can be very scary. Um, And so you will specifically want to ask those organizations and attorneys what their policies are if a family has financially invested. Um, Most of the financial risk 
centers around paying the medical and living expenses of an expectant mom once you are matched with her. A lot of places do just say that the family bears that risk. And so it could be possible that a family bears the risks, covers the living and medical expenses of the six expectant parent. She does choose to parent and the family is just out that money. However, there are organizations out there as well, and Bethany Christian Services being one, where we utilize under the flat fee model. We just wrap all of our costs of all expectant parents um, into our flat fees. And because we are a nonprofit organization, we fundraise in the community. And so, you know, we help cover those costs when moms choose to parent their children through our generous donors and contributors. And so, again, it's super important that you always ask those questions and then just make sure that you're comfortable kind of tolerating that level of risk with whatever agency or, or attorney you choose to um, embark upon this journey with. Yeah, I think sometimes it could be maybe an easier choice to say, hey, we want to go with a lower fee or lower cost adoption Mm -hmm. professional, but then you have to be careful and weigh the risks that go with that. Uh, Because lots of times, Mm -hmm. like you said, if an agency or an attorney bears the risk, then the fees may be a little bit higher than a professional that doesn't bear the risk. I mean, that Mm -hmm. just makes sense, right? Right. You have to, (laughs) somebody needs to incur the costs and, and it makes sense to share the risk rather than deal with it all by yourself. Right. Absolutely. And again, make sure, because this is going to differ by state, um, some states have more liberal laws allowing for more expenses to be paid for expectant parents, and some have very, very conservative laws about this. And similarly, even within the Bethany system, some of our branches have flat fees, others do not. It really just depends on the state and the laws around that. But definitely be sure that you're asking about that. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because really, like we said before, each are, are local. So you have they have to follow the local laws in that state. So right, correct. Um, not all of them work exactly the same. So absolutely ask questions. And that goes with whoever you're going to work with. I don't think you can ask enough questions, really. You know, you That's need to true. make sure you just keep asking, keep asking. If you find something else, ask more. And um, you'll, you will get your, your answers until you feel comfortable with, with going with them. And what about families that go through multiple agencies? I think it feels like that's becoming more and more popular now to try to, mm-hmm. to decrease the time it takes to adopt. Mm-hmm. I think more families are going, hey, we can work with four or five agencies. Mm-hmm. What kind of tips or help can you give the folks for trying to work with multiple agencies? Well, really, um, again, you want to ask your agency or attorney about that. Some have open policies where they will allow you to work with multiple agencies at a time. Other organizations and attorneys have an exclusive policy where if you are signed up with them, you're committing to only be signed up with them um, for your adoption. So really, you just want to ask about that um, and make sure that that you are, you know, just complying with any requirements that your agency has. Um, Also, different states, as you've heard, as is the theme here, um, could have different laws about that. So just make sure you're educated in that regard. And then ultimately, you know, Tim, you mentioned timeframes and, you know, a lot of times the motivation for people wanting to work with multiple agencies could be that they want the adoption to happen quicker um, or more quickly. And ultimately, Really, in the United States these days, where a large majority of domestic, private, 
infant adoptions have some degree of openness, the large majority of women who are placing their babies for adoption are actually choosing the family. Um, and so really the expectant mom chooses family. So there are so many unknowns about the wait time and how long it might take because it's not going to happen until that mom comes along who sees a family's profile or learns about a family and decides, yes, this is the family for me. And I'll say we've had some expectant parents pick a family based on the family's dog that they saw <laughs> in their profile book. And so it's just so hard to determine you know, what is it going to be about a family that sticks out to that expectant mom? Yep. And I, I, I that's absolutely true. And uh, that's why the domestic infant adoption uh, is so much different. Uh, some people try to say, hey, why don't you just go foster adopt mm-hmm. at your mm-hmm. local county office? And you can absolutely do that. Absolutely. Um, I would say, and you maybe correct me on this, but I would say infants and especially newborns, they're pretty rare in the foster system. Uh, at least from what I've seen. So that's a big difference between going through an agency or attorney. Uh, Lots of times you're going to be able to adopt a newborn. Um, Also, the foster adopt program is uh, funded by the government. It's funded by the local government. So um, that's why those costs are are low. And lots of folks uh, wonder why there's such a disparity between the two. Um, Anything you want to add to that? Yes, that's a great point. I'm so glad you brought that up, Tim, because that's that's usually one of the first things I say when people are asking about the funds associated with, with newborn adoptions. And I say, well, these are private adoptions. The state is not involved, and so it is not um, the adoption process is not subsidized by the state. And so in your state, you know, if you are a taxpayer, you are helping fund the placement and adoption of children out of the foster care system. And so there are either no costs associated with foster care adoptions to hopeful adoptive parents or very minimal costs associated with that. But again, that is because it's subsidized by the government through taxpayer dollars. And so for families who are adopting infants, you know, but where, where that program is not subsidized by the state, that's why the fees are so much higher. Um, and I will say that, that newborns are really not available in the foster care system. Um, and even infants are really extraordinarily rarely available. Um, if you do some research and find out about foster care adoption in your local organization, you will probably hear that the children available for adoption are eight years old or older primarily. There could be some very rare exceptions, um, but again, it is very rare. However, let me just say there are tens of thousands of children in foster care across the U.S. who desperately need homes. And so um, Bethany Christian Services works around the nation with foster care adoption as well. And we are always, always looking for families who do want to adopt out of the foster care system. So if that's something you might be interested in, definitely um, just kind of weigh what you're looking for um, and what you might felt led to participate in in regard to the type of adoption you're looking into. Yes, yeah, very good point. I think that sometimes get overlooked that uh, there are always families that are needed. So uh, I don't think you can ever have too many families that want to uh, adopt mm-hmm. out of the foster system. So glad you Absolutely. brought that up. How could a family decide what is the best way for them to go like working with an agency or we're doing an independent adoption as far as the costs go because mm-hmm. i think at least from my perspective you hear that oh maybe in doing an independent adoption would be cheaper than mm-hmm. working with an agency can you talk about that how would a family decide well 
you're really going to need to make your own individualist decision based on the information that you, you know, gather and find out in your research. So again, as you mentioned, Tim, you're going to want to um, educate yourself about the laws as it pertains to independent adoption. Maybe you're in a state that doesn't even allow that, so that's not going to be an option for you. If you are in a state that does allow it, you know, when you're connecting with attorneys or agencies, ask them, do you have any other families who have completed an independent adoption? And would you mind connecting me with them? Always look for someone who has walked this path ahead of you so that you can ask them specific questions. While it may be a cost saving to do an independent adoption, if you are the one solely responsible for promoting yourself in the community, um, you just want to educate yourself about how easy is that going to be. Maybe it's easy. Maybe you're in a community that is very adoption friendly and you're very well connected in the community and you can let everyone in your circle know that you're adopting. I mean, it may happen very quickly for you, or maybe that's not the case. So again, ask those questions. Try to find someone who has done maybe both an independent adoption and an adoption through an attorney and or an agency um, and really kind of pick their brains and, and find out what the, the process looked like for them just so you're better educated to make the decision as to what's going to be the best fit for you and your family. Yes, very well said. I think that's that's perfect way to handle it because you, you just don't know what to expect. So you got to find out what that is. And speaking of which, uh, how would hopefully adoptive parents better plan, budget, save, however you want to call it? I mean, when you're staring at going into an infant adoption and you're looking at, boy, this could cost us upwards of twenty or thirty thousand dollars or more. How do we wrap our brains around how to plan for that? I mean, the difference between twenty and thirty thousand is a pretty big difference for a lot of us. I mean, ten thousand dollars is nothing to sneeze at. So how do you, what tips or resources can you give for families that, to better plan for this um, once they figure out their costs? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. This is an area, as, as we said already, that is of great concern to many hopeful adoptive families. So there's really an array of different ways. Um, you know, some families just plan well ahead and just save. Um, save money so that they have the money to cover it. Oftentimes, that's not an option for families. Um, And so a lot of our families fundraise. Um, There's a great book um, that we just love. It's called You Can Adopt Without Debt. And she has lots of really neat ideas on how to creatively fundraise um, within your spheres of influence, with your family, with your friends. Um, You know, lots of our families will do GoFundMe pages and share a little bit about their um, journey of adoption and why they're really wanting to grow their family through adoption. And friends and family and and such will come alongside them and help contribute toward the adoption so that the entire financial burden does not fall on the family. Also, there are lots of adoption grants available, and so get online and do your research about adoption grants that could be available. Um, There are lots of people who have a passion for adoption, um, but don't necessarily feel called to specifically bring a child into their family, Um, but they love to help alleviate the financial burden for families who do want to adopt. So definitely research grants. Um, There are also loans available. So we, we work closely with a national organization called American America's Christian Credit Union, who offers low interest um, adoption loans to families. Um, So check that out. Check with your local banks or credit unions as to what options might be available for an adoption loan. And then lastly, I do want to mention, 
Do your research on your tax credits because most families, if you're under a certain income level, um, will qualify for upwards of $13,000 in adoption tax credits, um, which can definitely help alleviate some of that financial burden. So um, definitely look into all of these options. We always say we don't want finances to be a primary barrier to prevent people from adopting. We want hopeful adoptive families to um, really have these resources um, and ask, ask your organizations and attorneys when you're doing your research, ask them about these options. And, they, and can they give more specific information to you about these options in your local area? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Julie Gum's book because her, you can adopt without debt. Uh, that's we had her on the show actually, and uh, we oh. just we just love her, and uh, <laughs> she comes up with so much uh, creative ideas in her book. So please go yeah. go check out that book. And do you have? I mean, I know you've worked in the adoption world for quite some time. I wondered if you had any specific stories you can share, like families that have successfully adopted, they've come up with some creative ways to to handle the costs. Mm-hmm. Do you have any specific stories you can share? Sure, sure. I would love to. We had a family who came to us, and they just were really not sure how they were going to make the finances work. Um, but we encouraged them to um, just continue to do their research and have conversations with their family. And, you know, we referred them to Julie's book and, you know, they spoke with, um, with the, their tax professional and, and they decided to um, actually shoot a video of them. And so they had a friend who was a videographer and he really did a little interview of them in their home, and it was a beautifully produced video. Um, and they posted it online, and they shared it on Facebook, and um, you know, it started making its way out there in the cyber universe. And um, they raised over ten thousand dollars just oh, wow. through that video that their friend um, shot for them, and by sharing it within their um, community. And, and interestingly enough, they also applied for some grants and, and their entire adoption ended up being financed either through grants or through the fundraising that they did through um, the video that their friend shot. But they had to be bold. They had to be bold and they had to ask, ask the people around them. And they also had to be vulnerable and share their story about why they wanted to grow their family through adoption. But their friends and their family really honored that. And, and their entire adoption was paid for. Yeah, I, thank you for sharing that story because, uh, <clears throat> and not everybody is ultimately successful with their plans to say, Hey, we're going to fundraise and they may put a you caring, uh, website out there or put something else out on the web and it just doesn't have any traction. I think what you, what I tell people is don't give up. You know, if you try one thing and it doesn't work, that's okay. You need to move on to something else. Just just keep Mm -hmm. trying other things. Garage sales. I mean, there's a whole slew of ideas. Just keep trying things until you find out what works for you. And don't, like you said earlier, it was a great point. Don't let the cost of adoption keep you from adopting. You can do this. Absolutely. Absolutely. What would you uh, tell someone who wants, wants to adopt a baby and just feels like it is impossible? I mean, uh, I, I, we covered it right here. I mean, we just said, hey, keep trying. But just say, hey, I'm just not good at fundraising. I, I just find this impossible to mm-hmm. pay for all these expenses. I'm so overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. What would you say to somebody like that? 
I would say find support. There's so much support within the adoption community across our nation. And so whether that is a local adoption support group that you find within your community, or whether that is just an online um, team of support, whether it's a Facebook page or something in another social media circle, I mean, find that support. There are so many people who have walked this journey ahead of you. If you plug yourself in with them, they will be your best cheerleaders. And also, really, when you are interviewing agencies and attorneys, find someone that you really feel you can trust and really ask them to help get you plugged in with the local adoption community. They're going to have access to it because they do adoption. (laughs) And so allow them to help connect you with the adoption community as well um, because there's there's nothing that can encourage as much hope as seeing families who have successfully walked this journey ahead of you. Um, and they can just keep cheering you on. So don't give up. I know sometimes it can feel hopeless, um, but don't give up and wrap yourself in support on the journey and, and ask the questions, wrap yourself in that education and persevere. Awesome. Great advice. Yes. So many of us can use that and hear it over and over again because <laughs> you're right. You could get a year down the line or two years down right. the line and right. find yourself in the same spot and just kind of feel hopeless. So yes. thank you for yes. that. Anything else you want to share? Any other resources that maybe folks can learn more about the cost of adoption or just uh, how to better understand it? Um, You can always, you know, again, just do some online research. You can go on the IRS's website to learn more about the tax credits available mm-hmm. to you. Um, and, and yeah, that's really it. Again, I, I, I know I've said it over and over, but just ask the questions of the organizations and just make sure that you're really comfortable with, with their answers when it comes to the cost and really look for people who are going to be transparent. If someone is not willing to show you their contract until you're already starting to, you know, pay money, that's not, that's not okay. Mm -hmm. You know, really look for people who are going to be very open and transparent with you from the beginning. Yes, very, very well said. There's a couple websites that just come to my mind as we're talking here, like uh, helpusadopt.org is a great mm-hmm. site for grants. And then uh, resources for the number four, adoption.com. They look at all grants throughout um, all of the adoption world and, and track them and really help you through understanding grants. So that's another good place to go. All right. Well, thank you so much, Sherry, for for joining us. I mean, so many families struggle with the cost and it's understandable because it's hard to figure out what the costs are going to be and how you're going to plan for that and uh, how it affects how long it takes you to adopt. And that's absolutely that's what it's all about. Uh, So, well, I know it's a huge topic and we've we've covered a lot today and uh, you've you've done a great job with uh, sharing your knowledge and and wisdom and experience with us. So my pleasure, my pleasure. Yes, thank you so much for for joining us today and uh, all the everything we talked about today. I want to put all the links so you don't have to worry about uh, remembering what they are. And we'll just put all the links on the show notes at infantadoptionguide.com forward slash 44. And I especially want to thank Bethany Christian Services for sponsoring this episode. You know, I don't take it lightly to bring a sponsor on the show. And uh, I really like the folks just like Sherry here that work for Bethany. They're uh, a class organization. And um, we just want to uh, thank them for sponsoring the show. And thank you, Sherry, again for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. 
All right. I love talking with Sherry. She has so much to share. You, you can hear the the joy and the, the help and the confidence that she gives and how she answers her questions. And talking with her interview, she's just that warm and genuine person. You just want to invite in uh, so you can soak up some more knowledge and wisdom and experience that she has. So anyway, you can find the highlights and links that we talked about on today's show at infantadoptionguide.com forward slash 44 as this is episode number 44 and again just want to especially thank bethany christian services for sponsoring this episode i don't usually normally have sponsors but this is your show you deserve only the best resources and information and i really love the folks over there at bethany so thank you for them for for sponsoring this episode and as always i'm keeping you in my prayers as you hope to build your family through domestic infant adoption God bless. Thanks for listening to my dad.